Uh, is this thing still on? It's been a while. This show's been on hiatus for a couple of months. I told you that Doug and I were going to put something together, the likes of which you had not ever seen before, and I still plan to do that. But it's not going to happen in the immediate future because I've got bigger things on my plate right now. So what I wanted to do was, well, something. And uh, Doug and I started talking, and he said, Hey, um, hey, remember the Deeper Thought podcast you did a couple of years ago? Doug and I decided that we could go through some of those episodes. Over the next several weeks, several months, you're going to get access to what you previously weren't able to. Hopefully, this little provocation will help you sell something that you haven't sold before. And uh, stay tuned for these episodes as they drop week over week. I think you're going to take something away from them. I know you're going to be entertained by them. And uh, I just, I can't wait to talk to you again real soon. My name's Jeff Bajoric, and my career in sales has been a hell of a ride. And I want to bring you along with me. If you prefer to sell things at a premium, if you never want to win a deal on price, rethink the way you sell. Hey, welcome back to the show. My name's Jeff Bajoric. I'm your host. I hope you're ready to rethink the way you sell because today, I'm going to challenge you to rethink the way you practice with my friend Jordana Zeldin. Jordana is the founder and head coach at Spring Training, where she empowers mission-driven teams with core sales skills that feel good for sellers and prospects alike. She also helps them to build rich cultures of learning and practice where those skills and their people can grow. Um, If you're new to the show, thank you for being here. I would encourage you to go back And listen to the first nine episodes in this season. Take a look at what we're doing. Give yourself a little bit of context for what it is that I'm trying to accomplish with this particular season. And I think it will put this episode in place a little bit more for you. You might get a little more value out of it. If you don't want to do that, if you're just here to listen to my conversation with Jordana, how can I blame you? Listen in. You will understand that Jordana is just intoxicating. She's so soft-spoken but speaks about things that have so much power and so much energy to them. It's just it's impossible not to get hooked in. And once you hear what she's got to say once you spend a little time listening to what she talks about, um, you'll immediately be looking for more. At least that's what I find myself doing. So I hope you appreciate this conversation that I had with Jordana, particularly around practice. There are, yes, there are Allen Iverson references in there right off the top. Actually, I think you're going to have some fun with this and I'll talk to you again on the other side. We sitting here, I supposed to be the franchise player, and we're in here talking about practice. I mean, it, listen, we're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. Not a game. Not, a, not, not the game that I go out there and, and die for and play every game like it's my last. Not the game. We're talking about practice, man. I mean, how silly is that? Jordana, you were on the Why and the Buy recently, and we had a brilliant conversation um, about practice and what you're doing with the practice lab and kind of creating a very safe space where people can do 
the practice and really perform do the work that they need to do in order to get better. And, um, I just, I, I wanted to take that conversation. I wanted to go a little bit deeper here because like we're, you're just so barely scratching the surface on this concept <laughs> and salespeople don't like practice, right? I mean, role play is one of those things where it's like, it's hard and I think it's dumb. And if it's dumb and hard, I'm not going to do it. Right. And th- what's interesting though, is how do you get better in, in sales? What is the difference between someone who's been selling for 15 years and someone who's been selling for 15 months? It's reps, it's practice, it's, it's the exposure to that you know, live rounds, right? We're, we're, this is not a drill. We are doing this, right? And, and so what you're doing with Practice Lab is really going out of your way to create that space for people to do the work they need to do in order to really get better. Um, what, you said you dug into some concepts you know, since our conversation. What, what, what are you yeah. thinking about right now? So it's interesting. So I have been geeking out a little bit on some of the research, but the first thing I'll say, which we didn't cover in the podcast, but that I had in my head is that there is a protein rich white matter in the brain known as myelin. And the connect, have you heard of myelin? Yeah, it's the coating or the sheath around the neurons that helps things, uh, helps signals travel faster. There we go. And in 2014, some neuroscientists found a direct connection between myelin practice and skill development. And the idea is, is that myelin itself can be grown and developed. So that wrapping can get thicker over time, which makes the circuitry fire faster, which, which is essentially like the the brain's equivalent of what skill is, right? That's what skill is. And when you practice in a specific way, just at the edge of your current abilities, in that place where you are uncomfortable and you're awkward and you're stumbling and you're doubling back and making corrections, that builds myelin more quickly. And the more myelin there is, the faster the circuitry fires, et cetera, and you become more skillful. So what is so interesting to me about what you just alluded to about like reps hating role-playing, right? That, that like that discomfort, that is actually a signal that you're kind of playing in the right place from a skills development perspective. Okay. So the presence of resistance is the reminder that you're exactly where you need to be. Yeah. I mean, it's tricky. So like if you're doing role play in a place that doesn't feel safe, where it's not okay to screw up and you're resisting because this just doesn't feel like a a safe space to develop, that's, that's not the kind of resistance I'm talking about, but it's that, it's that place just beyond what feels comfortable and just beyond the current reach of where your abilities are. So mm-hmm. if you're someone who considers yourself, you know, so many sellers are like, oh, I'm, I'm great on the phone with prospects, but I can't role play objection handling or I can't role play any of this stuff, right? Oftentimes it's just because it feels really uncomfortable to pull it out on the fly in that moment in the context of a role play. Mm-hmm. But I would encourage sellers who are feeling that discomfort to think of that as a signal, like they're on the right path, neurologically mm. speaking, and then to kind of lean in there. It's interesting to have a, a physical representation of what practice does. It's right? so cool. I mean, yeah. like when you're talking about the neural pathways and establishing the neural pathways, like, no, we have the technology now. We can measure it. There is more myelin along those necessary <laughs> pathways yeah. than there was before, you know, we started here. And, um, you know, it's, it's a neuroscience is kind of uh, 
fluffy and intangible to most people. Uh, no, it's not intangible at all. It's quite tangible. It's just so small that most people can't understand what it means. And it's so complicated that like practice, people would just rather go in the other way. So how do you create a safe space? How do you make that a space where it's not just the resistance of I don't want to because I'm uncomfortable um, and, and therefore I'm not going to get a whole lot out of this to um, I don't want to, but I know I probably should. And I think this is a place where I can. Right. How do you create that space with the practice lab? There are kind of two things I'm working on. One is the practice lab, which is this community for individual sellers to come and meet weekly and practice a core selling skill. But then the other kind of project I'm tackling is how do I help to to empower sales leaders with the tools that they need to not only be more effective practice coaches, but also to create those those safe containers. And today I was actually working on a on a talk I'm giving around this, and I was thinking back to the sales training organization that I worked at prior to spring training, which is really where a lot of the genesis of these ideas came up because, so we were an organization that, um, that really did take our cues in terms of how we coach from how athletes train and our coaching sessions were very practice-based. It was less about explanation. All of the teaching happened before the session. So we kind of flipped the classroom and then I'd spend a lot of time one-on-one with my clients in practice where I'd be doing less explanation, but a lot of demonstration, right? Giving them something very specific to listen for and then getting our reps in back and forth. But what was so interesting about this place, this organization that is that it had the very best culture like ever, ever. And what was really interesting is that it, it the, the, the team was made up of people from all walks of life. I'm talking people on vastly different sides of the political spectrum. And this was like 2018, 2019. So that meant major, you know, a major gulf there. You know, we had um, Afghan war vets. We had stay-at-home moms who did like B-horror movie makeup on the side. We had me coming from the New York City, like tech world. Like on paper, this team never should have cohered, you know. But we practiced together. And the founder who was this very seasoned, very successful sales trainer and consultant practiced with us. We practiced both the skills that we were teaching our reps that, you know, our clients, and we practiced our own coaching skills because there was a kind of mechanical element of what, you know, a coaching call sounds like. And he would screw up sometimes, like the founder of the whole company would mess up. And I remember early on, like in one of my first like weekly team meets where we did this practice feeling so nervous because I was brand new and I just come out of training and I was in front of the founder, you know, and there was something about him messing up and like the humility associated with that, that gave all of us permission in a way to kind of feel like, oh, this is a place where it's okay to try things and screw up and it's safe to fail. And I think leaders can send a really powerful signal in that way by kind of jumping into the practice space as well, knowing that nothing that they do is going to be perfect either. Mm, that's a great way to, to, to take that. I think that's really, really important. Um, it, you don't necessarily, I, I, I just, you work with, um, teams and, and you to get back to the role-playing thing. Why don't people like to role-play particularly in front of their colleagues? Well, there's a spotlight. Everybody's looking at you, Right. And yeah. you're feeling like you're going to be judged, which you are being judged, right? 
and um, ultimately it's for your and everybody else's benefit. But still, I don't care how I, I don't care how extroverted you are. That doesn't necessarily mean you want everybody looking at just you, right? Sure. And yeah. and and so, what are you afraid of in that moment? Well, that I'm not going to do as well as I know I can. That I'm not going to do as well as some other people can. And that I'm, especially if I'm going first, like I'm putting myself up here to be criticized. When the leader steps up and says, oh, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to criticize myself. Yes. Wasn't my best effort. You know, and, and and that's the difference too. And I like with the practice lab, you know, my co-founder, Jonathan and I are trying to be really intentional about creating that safe space. And we talked about some of the ways that we did that um, on the podcast. But it's funny, there's a difference between talking about vulnerability and then like showing it yourself. And that's something that I'm, I'm aware of that I want to do better with our next cohort, you know, and, and actually the group was a very open and vulnerable group, but part of what we did in the, in our, that first happy hour that, that I mentioned was we, you know, we had these prompts that got people to open up about various moments in their lives where they had a whole range of emotions and where their confidence was at varying levels. But the mistake I made when I think about that session is that I didn't lead first. I didn't share my story. We talked about the value of vulnerability and then every, you know, we encouraged people to go there. But I was in this really, really interesting, um, I guess, sales, I mean, a workshop the other day run by this guy named Christopher Williams called Listening Fest. And it's basically this hour and a half long thing where he has this very interesting calibrated way of getting people to practice listening at various levels, listening very inattentively, listening mediumly attentively, all the way up to really attentively and, and feeling both what it feels like to listen at those levels and what it feels like to be listened to at those levels. Long story short, and then I'll, I'll stop talking, but long story short, he didn't tell anyone that this was going to be a vulnerable space or that it should be. But instead he had everyone introduce themselves and say where they were coming from and what they were feeling right now. And the first thing he said was, you know, I'm Chris, I live, live in Kingston, New York. And I got to be honest, I'm feeling nervous. I'm feeling nervous that this isn't going to go as well as I hoped it would. And it was like, without any direction, he is the leader signaled to everyone that this was a really safe space and the the depth and the vulnerability and the willingness to open up on the part of all participants. It was palpable. It was magic. That is interesting. Magic. Yeah. I've got a workshop coming up next week and, you know, I'm, I'm being paid to come in and take the lead. The last thing I would think to do is start by saying, you know what? I'm nervous. Could you imagine? <sighs> but... <laughs> The impression that you would make, right? And I think maybe for the right audience, it's probably perfect. For some other audiences, it's like, dude, are you kidding me? We've had this right. set up for months. We paid you in advance. You're nervous? What is? Who did we hire? What did we just do, right? But why wouldn't it work? Why wouldn't it? You, you're, you're talking about creating a space for people to do what they need to do to get better. Yeah. And... It's funny too. I think about it. I've, I've said this. I'm quoted as saying this, Jordana. When you are asking someone to buy something from you, when you're selling something to somebody, you are trying to get them to do something different. Mm. And in order for them to be interested in doing something different, they have to admit that they are not doing it as well as they could be right now. 
Yeah. Which means they have to be willing to get vulnerable and admit that to themselves and probably to you too. Oh, yes. Which means if you want them to get vulnerable, you should probably create that space. How do you create that vulnerable space? Just what you said. Just what you've Me been alluding to this entire yeah. time. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. <sighs> practice. We're talking about practice. Not a game. We're talking about practice. Like if you haven't worked that old Allen Iverson bit into your marketing somehow, then you <laughs> yeah. need to. But um, this is fascinating, and I'm so excited to watch you go into this and, and develop this into something really cool because um, you're doing great work. And, and thank you for sharing a little bit more of your process and your research and your experience with us here today. Of course. Thanks so much, Joe. Well, what'd you think? Think a little differently about practice? Are you doing enough practice? Are you giving yourself an excuse? Are you letting yourself off the hook and just saying that you don't need to practice because you've been doing this a long time? Uh, Jeff, I've been doing this for 15, 20 years. I don't need to practice. I've got my technique down. How's it working for you? And you know, how do you expect skills to be enhanced without deliberate practice? Without focusing on one thing at a time to improve. And it's, it's interesting. I think salespeople typically fall into two big groups. You have those who practice everything and they practice so much that they really can't. I mean, it's kind of like boiling the ocean. You can't make significant progress in any particular discipline because you're trying to practice them all. And then there are some that are not practicing anything. Both groups remain stagnant. But when you... Pick one or two things, like one or two projects at a time. But when you pick one or two things to work on and you find a buddy and you constructively critique one another, big things happen. You start to recognize things that you couldn't tell before, that you couldn't understand before, you couldn't appreciate. And that's what incremental progress looks like. That's what continuous improvement looks like. It's not trying to boil the ocean. It's working on one thing at a time so that you can take that next step, do that next right thing to get better. I think an important concept here, and, and one of the notes that I took from this episode too, is that you know, one of the reasons that people, salespeople don't like to practice or they like to practice by themselves is that it's uncomfortable to get vulnerable. It's uncomfortable to create that vulnerable space where you have to see things that you don't want to see yet. That's exactly what you're trying to do with your clients, right? With your prospects. Don't you need to create that vulnerable space so that they can feel safe admitting something that they're not doing very well so that they can begin to take steps to find their own better state? Kind of makes you think a little bit, right? I want to thank Jordana Zeldin. You can find her at thepracticelab.co. You can also find her on LinkedIn. And uh, in the conversation, I referenced uh, her uh, appearance on The Why and the Buy. And uh, so we'll have a link to that episode as well. Please go seek her out. She's doing great work, and she will show you another point of view on just about anything that you're stuck on right now. She's really, really valuable. So go check her out. I also want to thank you for spending your time with me. A ton of choices out there in terms of podcasts, sales podcasts, let alone bigger uh, amounts of podcasts on, on that cover different um, you know, uh, topics and, and, and things like that. There's just so much out there for you to listen to. And you spent the last 20 minutes or so with me. 
So thank you, and I hope to do that again with you very soon. Rethink the Way You Sell is a Pot About It production. It's mixed and edited by Doug Branson, with music by Blue Dot Sessions and Doug Branson. This podcast is masterminded by Jeff Bajorek.